Hey everybody, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. In today's episode, we're on to our second coping strategy. Now, this is visual meditation. So it's like meditation, uh, but with a little bit of dyslexic magic thrown in, really works for people with uh, very visual minds. The other word I was going to use is over overactive minds. That could many of us could struggle with meditation. Many of us have hit roadblocks and stopped. But I want to talk about a way that I do it that really works for me. Uh, so this is our second coping strategy. Let's dive into it. Okay, so let's dive into this episode. Now, meditation is always one of these things when I speak to anyone with dyslexia or ADHD that can feel really overwhelming at first. And a lot of us have tried it at some point, hasn't quite worked as they thought it would on the package, and we just stop and say it's not for us. I get this a huge amount of the time. Now, I used to be that person where I'd, you know, trying to quiet my mind, trying to sit sit still <laughs> without something to doom scroll through was really challenging. But once I got my head around how to do it for my brain and the, the real reason it works for us, it really became one of my strongest coping strategies. Now, whenever I'm going through what I'd say is a downtick, so something that's not really working, or a period of time where I'm getting overwhelmed, it's usually a period where I've stopped meditating on a regular basis. It is a huge driver of getting a handle on my mind. And so I know personally that that if you can get a bit of a flow on, if you can bring this into your daily routine, you're going to have a massive, a massive tick. Now, so so the question is, is why does meditation work? And the, the real reason is we are so, our brains are always running. There's always so much happening in them. It's never a relax, it's very rarely a relaxing place. Um, and so with meditation, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take, you know, the way I look at it is you're trying to take focus off the external world and allow yourself time just to watch what's happening in your mind's eye. So that's how meditation starts. You know, you sit down, you know, I'm not going to go through, you know, the ways to do it. Um, there are so many different podcasts, so many different ways of doing it. You know, I can share my ways, which I've got a couple of cushions on the floor. I use a really blacked out eye mask. Otherwise, if I see too much light, it takes my attention away. Um, I like it to be relatively cool. And I prefer the mornings for meditation, usually rather than the evenings. I've got a little bit more control of my mind in those moments. Now, the, what I've been doing is I use a couple of different uh, meditations by a guy called Joe D'Souza. Uh, Joe Dispenza, sorry, it's his name. Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's based over in Seattle, who taught me how to do this practice. Um, and his work is just brilliant. He's got some fantastic books on the mind and psychology. But what I really respect about his meditations that really connected with me is not only are they very much about the visual emotional connection of the mind and using meditation as a tool to explore it and set goals and thought processes, uh, but also it's, yeah, like it actually works. Whereas the idea for me of sitting completely still for 20 five, 30, 45 minutes with nothing happening is, you know, painful, right? That's the, the meditation we're kind of taught. We're with Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. He runs, he's got a variety of different meditations. The one I personally use is called the morning meditation. It's 22, 23 minutes, give or take. Um, 
And so it's a nice, nice period. It's long enough to be able to connect with yourself, but not so long that it completely disturbs your day. And then I've also got a second that I really like, which is the, uh, it's called energy beginnings or becomings of the energy centers in your body. And you go through the energy centers in your body and put some attention on them. Now, I find both of these have worked really well for me. They're very, the music's fantastic. I wear AirPods from Apple, which are great. And I just completely engage in the process. Now, just to give you a heads up on how these work and why they work really well is initially there's a real there's a real peace in each of the meditations where you're kind of connecting with the present. So again, it's trying to bring you back. It's trying to feel parts of your body, how they feel and, you know, around you. And then it goes into, you know, once you've done that part, which is maybe eight, ten minutes, give or take. Uh, for the morning meditation, it'll dive much deeper into visualization. You know, where are you moving towards? Now, you may have heard my podcasts on setting goals that I did at the beginning of this year and previous years. You know, this type of meditation gives you a chance to live the goals you're creating. So I use it very heavily to um, visualize where am I going this year, even if I don't know how I'm getting there. How's it going to feel? You know, what, where am I going to be standing? What am I going to be doing? What am I going to be wearing? You know, if it's health, how am I going to feel? What parts of my body? And every time I meditate on this, I bring something else into the visual emotional equation. So I'm continuing to strengthen this, shall we say, this rope in the, this kind of, it's not a rope, but the, the kind of point in the future I've got my rope to that I'm pulling myself towards. And as I continue to strengthen it, I find things in my life continue to move that way because I'm reminding my brain of what I want to be, what it's going to feel like, and that it's it's coming to me one way or the other. And so what happens is I find in my life little coincidences happening. And I really do put a lot of this down to the, the meditation side of things. You know, too often in the past, maybe 10 years ago, I'd set these wieldy goals that were ridiculous, pointless not what I really wanted. I'd look at them about five times. I'd forget about them, do nothing on them, <laughs> put no energy into them. And at the end of the year, I'd be like, oh, well, those didn't work. And now with this process, this way of med meditating using the visualization side and the emotional side has been game changing. It, you know, last three, four years now, probably three years, actually three years really effectively, I've had massive end of year results that have all been what I've wanted. And if you'd have asked me at the beginning of the year how I'd get there, I had no real clue. Or it was very broad, should I say. <laughs> and I've had to get through a lot of hoops to get to where I want to be. But using this, you know, using visual meditation, however hard it feels at first and impossible, you know, if you stick with it and take time with it, it becomes your best friend. It reminds you that all this stuff outside, or this is what it does for me at least, reminds me all this stuff outside in the physical world is a small piece of of the whole you know not to get too not to get too woo woo on this but it's you know it's a real reminder that everything in your external world is driven by your internal world so like if you're not giving yourself time to rest to connect to feel into who you are you're going to struggle because what happens is in the physical world we become remarkably reactive you know, there are so many stimulations, stimulants around us, all this stuff happening. And when we can actually break away from that, even for 20, 30 minutes a day, you know, it's massive. 
And I, I remember when I first started meditating, my, my thought was, I've got to have this clear mind. I will become this Buddhist monk on top of a mountain where the sun will shine down. You know that feeling of you've got to be perfect and you've got to do this this thing that the movies show <laughs> these meditating monks look like. When it, when it's actually, you know, false. Like who would have thought the movies might be false? What a, what a, what a madness. Um, but what I've really found is that the ability to watch my thoughts come into my head. Like when I meditate, even when I'm visualizing the future, you know, it's it's a wreck. It's honestly a wreck. There's stuff coming in about what I'm doing in the day. There's stuff about my past floats into my brain. There's all these different these different streams of consciousness. But what happens is I start to realize through this meditative process, which I really struggled with with dyslexia, is to realize my brain is just a tool. My dyslexic brain is just a tool. Now, it works a bit differently to those without dyslexia or those without ADHD, but in essence, it's a tool, and it's a separation of my consciousness. Now, you know, take that for a moment, whatever you want to call this. Imagine it's like your operator in a, in a say you're a digger driver. As the operator, you're the consciousness. The digger is the tool. And so what I'm trying to say is what I've learned or what I've felt or... And, you know, you've got to go through this for a while to kind of get there, I think. But my real massive realization around why meditation works is it reminds me that I am the operator of my life, not dyslexia, not my brain, you know, not my emotions. I choose what emotions I want. I choose what I want to visualize. I choose where I want to go. And that is separate to my mind. My mind is a tool. And through meditation, I get a chance to examine it and watch it and laugh. I literally sometimes laugh at what goes through my head. It's hilarious. I'm like, where did it? Where did that come from? And then I visualize seeing that thought disappear. Sometimes it gets zapped like a bug zapper. Other times it disintegrates and floats away and I just let it go. And it's amazing to watch those thoughts go because they can actually carry so much emotion. And when you start to watch them just disappear... And as that one disappears, maybe you get a moment or two of, of freedom from your thoughts. And then before you know it, something else pops up. And it happens again and again and again. And, but over time, you start to, you know, you recognize it quicker. And you don't have as much weight around your thoughts. You realize thoughts aren't reality. And you start to let them go. And meditation, you know, again, it's not a do it once, you're now cured. It's something that is kind of like cleaning. You've got to do it over and over again. Uh, it's a bit funner than cleaning because you don't have to actually clean. You know, you just actually get to sit there, listen to some cool meditation tunes, <laughs> chill out. You know, it's I, I love it. I've honestly found it the best of all coping strategies, but it was a journey. What I'll try and do in the bottom of this podcast for this coping strategies, I'll link to Joe D'Souza's website and his meditations. I'd really start with the morning and evening one. You know, that's my favorite. Um, it's brilliant. Uh, and as I say, find somewhere comfy, somewhere quiet, somewhere safe. Um, and just tweak your environment as you go. There is no right or wrong. You've got to find your own journey um, with this. But just commit to it. What I would say is what I've done recently to bring it back is February. I'm making sure I, I meditate every day. And so it doesn't matter what, what day it is. I have to meditate. Um, and I've already felt, you know, again and again and again, it just reminds me of the value of it in my life. So just want to share, guys, check out Joe Dispenza's work. I'll keep these coping strategies coming. 
and look forward to catching up soon.